So what I love about this method is that there is an activation energy around every single thing that we do. So for an art project, that looks like getting out all of the supplies that you're going to need while you're engaged in that project. For a podcast, it's setting up my mobile studio with all of my equipment and my mic and all of that stuff. And it's so much better to do that once for a stretch of time and then not have to worry about it again for an entire month. You can put that stuff out of sight, out of mind if you're into having a clean, serene space. Plus, in those time blocks, I'm doing one thing and one thing only, and that is setting me up for success. Doing that is putting yourself in an environment where focus is just easier. This is episode 117 of Multi-Passionate Like a Boss, and I'm your host, Jenny O'Connor. I'm a writer, entrepreneur, and certified shiny object lover, and I'm obsessed with finding the easy way to live the dream. Hear this, my squirrel-brained friends. The most freeing moment of your life will be the moment you discover conventional wisdom isn't meant for you. It's meant for linear thinkers and specialists who are motivated by a different definition of success. We shiny object lovers, on the other hand, know that doing what we love is not a privilege. It's an obligation. That's why in this multi-passionate corner of the internet, we're designing lives and businesses on our terms disrupting how it's always been done and flipping the bird to all of the awful sounding things we should do. So if you're a rebel, a curious misfit, or a creator that shrinks from doing the inauthentic, hit that subscribe button and let's write our own rules for this brave new world. If growing an audience on social media feels like a slog and you're convinced there has to be a better way, there is. It's email. The average ROI for email marketing is $42 for every dollar you spend. Plus, email reaches approximately 79% of the people you send it to. Instagram, 13.5. Ugh. But a lot of folks aren't using this highly effective strategy because they think writing emails is too time-consuming or that they're no good at storytelling. If you've ever thought that yourself, my free guide, Write Better Emails the Easy Way, will change the game and help you craft memorable, money-making newsletters in just minutes a week. Get it now at jennyoconnor.com forward slash email. So what we're rejecting today is the mantra, just work on one thing at a time. Look, we understand, but it doesn't matter. It's not how we're built. Being told that over and over just drives the point home that we didn't understand the assignment. It could be so easy. And the fact that we won't abide this simple instruction makes us broken. Fuck that. As an antidote to that specialist philosophy, I developed the pie chart method for multi-passionates. I've been using it for a year and a half, and it is the reason that I have a podcast that is 117 episodes strong when 93% of podcasts never make it past a seventh episode. I also have a newsletter that I send out at least twice a month and two different novels in progress with over 50,000 words in each so far. I used to spend my wheels like crazy though, and I could never determine which tasks were important, either high impact or income producing. I would keep myself busy for busy's sake And I could admit, I just had no idea how to make any progress in a hundred different directions. After all of these conversations with all of these creative scatterbrains, and I say that with the utmost love and respect, I have learned that the secret for people like us is to have flexible structure. 
So what that means is there is a box. I know boxes, but hear me out. There's a box, but inside that box is a kaleidoscope, a grown-up Disneyland, a choose-your-own-adventure. But all of that goodness is still contained inside a box. Don't knock it till you try it. Stay with me. So I'm going to teach you guys the pie chart productivity method today. And it uses the four Ps. And those are, one, plugging the holes wherever you are hemorrhaging time. Two and three, pick your projects and your productivity system. And four, prioritize the time on your calendar. So let's unpack all this, shall we? P number one, plug the holes. This can be done with time tracking. And before you groan, remember that you can't improve what you don't measure. This step is absolutely necessary to see where you're hemorrhaging time so that you can steal it back and have more of it to spare for your many, many, many projects. But we also do it because as humans, we are very unrealistic about how long things take or how fast we can get something done within a certain period of time. So imagine you want to write a book, but all you can carve out for yourself is an hour a week to do that. That's going to take you a really long time. (laughs) As someone who is writing a book and tried to do it that way, I can attest to the truth of this. We're talking decades, maybe. But if you can locate a time hemorrhage, How many hours do you spend scrolling on social media, watching the news, responding to non-urgent emails, sitting in pointless meetings? What if you could reclaim all of that time as writing time and thereby get your novel written a heck of a lot faster? This is actually a counterintuitive way to enhance focus. One, because you will start to train yourself that whenever you fall down a rabbit hole, something you aren't supposed to be working on right now, you're going to have to go back into your time tracker and adjust your time. And that's annoying. So instead, you'll just start staying on task so you don't have to keep going in and futzing with the little numbers in your time tracker. But also, when you realize how little time you truly have to work on your novel, you will guard that time. And be so intently focused during that window because you know how precious it is. So time tracking is the first piece of actually helping yourself focus, something that we most of us don't claim to be particularly good at. If you want to learn my personal time tracking system that uses a free app called Toggle and can save you 24 hours or more a month, download Lifestyle Design for Multi-Passionates and scroll to the end for the bonus videos that teach you how it's done. You can get that at jennyoconnor.com forward slash good life. All right, P number two, pick your projects. The pie chart that you're going to use in the pie chart productivity method has five pieces of pie. This is because scientists have discovered that the human mind can't effectively manage more than five projects at a time. And that might sound like a lot for you. And in past episodes, like episode 10 about overwhelm that was recently featured as a greatest hits episode, I said, don't choose more than two or three. But for this exercise, We're looking holistically at your life. We are looking at the five biggest consumers of your time in your life. So that's why I open it up to beyond three joy projects. We're going to have five pieces of pie in this particular exercise. So if you run a household or have a full-time job, those two items definitely count as two of your pieces of pie. So therefore, hobbies or your side hustle or the book you want to write will need to fit into those remaining three pieces of pie. 
Of course, there are going to be things that don't get a designated pie piece, like maintenance, grocery shopping, getting ready, commuting. And even if you aren't feeding or cleaning up after a family, you're still feeding yourself, running errands, things like that. These things don't count towards one of your five projects, but they do impact the number of hours that you have available in a week. So we're still going to track them and sort of fit them into this model. So the time tracking exercise allows you to create a rough estimate of how much time you spend on that maintenance and subtract it from the overall number of hours that you have in a week so that you can effectively work with whatever you've got left over, whatever we're going to consider free time. I know that time tracking might seem really intense and possibly tedious, but it is so damn illuminating. Holy cow, you guys. And if you say that you want more time for your worthy goals, how badly do you want it? So try not to be daunted by this and instead think of it as a fun experiment, yet another foray into the abyss of who you are and what makes you tick. And we multi-passionates love collecting data, right? Okay, so we're going to do some math now. Stay with me. The total number of hours in a week is 168. So from that, we deduct sleep, which for me is eight and a half hours a night times seven is 59 and a half. So 168 minus that is 108 and a half hours. Obviously, adjust this according to what your sleep ideal sleep schedule is or your customary sleep schedule. Next, you assign anything that has a set number of hours to its corresponding pie piece. So if you have a nine to five, subtract 40 hours from the last number, 108.5. Once you have a good read on how many hours you spend in service to and having quality time with your family, you will then subtract that number from the total. And this might have to be like an average for the week. If you can stomach time tracking for longer than a week, it's going to give you even more informed data. But in any case, come up with a rough estimate here and assign that number to the second piece of pie. Once you get through all of your need to do's, in other words, anything that you can't just decide not to do that week, the job, the family. The last bit of math is to subtract your maintenance hours. And the resulting number is how many hours you have to spare for your joy projects each week. Once you see that final number, let's say it's 15 hours a week for argument's sake, you then have to determine what percentage of that chunk you will devote to each of those remaining pieces of pie. Will you split that 15 hours three ways, evenly, five hours for each joy project? Or is one of those joy projects so important to you that you will want to spend 12 hours on it and split the last three hours between the other two? In other words, just spend an hour and a half on each one of those in a week. I want to address two things here. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Dream Job Academy. Does your job bum you out? Do you long to feel excited to spring out of bed in the morning and energized to tackle work you adore? We all deserve to feel like this. Our time on this planet is short. Shouldn't we all spend it doing the thing that makes us forget to eat and pee? But wait, you say, I'm multi-passionate. I have no idea which of my million passions is the right one to make a business out of. That's exactly why I created the Dream Job Academy. Put your million and one passions through my signature Dream Job 
Job Distiller framework, and you'll get back $1 million idea. Plus, you'll walk away with a 30-day action plan and a foolproof system for creating the next one when it's time to add another passion to your portfolio. If you're ready to love what you do so much that you never work a day in your life, snag the Dream Job Academy self-study course at jennyoconnor.com forward slash dream. If you don't feel like the number you're left with after doing this math is high enough to get anything significant done, I urge you to download the Lifestyle Design for Multi-Passionates PDF and go through the method I outline in the time tracking videos for stealing back your time. There's actually a sequence of steps that you can take that can actually pull those back into your calendar of free usable time. They are truly game-changing. The other thing I want to say is that multi-passionates tend to operate in seasons. So right now, you may be spending 12 hours writing your book, 90 minutes improving your watercolor, and another 90 minutes learning a new language. You know that once the book is written, you can then spend more time on the watercolor. So things are going to ebb and flow. Some things are going to get completed and checked off the list. And then you can assign a new project to that empty piece of pie in your pie chart. And you don't have to use five pieces of pie. If that feels like too much, just just don't use that many. But don't use more than five. You can also devote one of your pieces of pie to spending time with friends because right now in this season of your life, that is a joy project for you. But if you constantly find yourself saying things like, I will write the book as soon as I have time, you might have to take a hard look at the percentage you assigned the social butterfly piece of your pie chart. It's just all things to take into account in terms of what really, really matters to you. So the point is, this is a living document and it will evolve as you evolve and as your values and priorities change. But it works really well for realistically gauging how long projects are going to take given the amount of time you are able to allot to each one respectively. Once you've made this productivity method chart for yourself, you can say, oh, I think I can have my novel written by the end of the year. P number three, pick your productivity system. So steps two and three are the choose your own adventure steps. And I would be remiss if I told you guys which productivity system would work best for you. Just like the projects, the second P, those are going to be unique to each of you individually. So is the productivity system that you choose. You might already know what works really well for you in terms of getting things done. Or you know that like me, nothing works for you all of the time and you will go in seasons and you will use something for a couple months and then you'll stop using it. If you have literally no idea where to begin in terms of productivity systems, check out episode 36, Time Management for Squirrel Brains, where I describe a bunch of different ones that I think work really well for multi-passionates, having used all of them myself. So for me, I love to build systems and then hack the systems. I know that I love my task manager, Nosby, and my app for capturing ideas, Evernote, but the technicalities beyond that change from one month to the next. Right now, though, I am loving, like, I might use this one forever. I'm loving batching. The problem with batching for me in the past was that people would say, batch, batch all of your newsletters for the month in, you know, in two hours and then move on to something else. And then, you know, batch all of your podcast episodes for the month together in two hours. And I don't, I don't know why. I always felt like two hours was the magic amount of time that everybody was getting everything done. And I was like, that is, there's just no way that that's enough 
time for me to get everything done. Also, I want to be a month ahead. I don't want to just get the podcast stuff done for this week because then I'm always kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Like I just was thinking too small in terms of my batching. So what I allowed myself to do instead was to batch days. We're talking multiple days in a row to accomplish a month's worth of whatever, a month's worth of podcast episodes produced, done and dusted, ready to go up on the website. Uh, And then a series of days batched for writing a month's worth of newsletters. So basically, instead of giving myself a set number of hours in a day, I work for a set number of days in a month to do effectively the same thing. And the number of days I have is based on the percentages that I assigned to each project in my pie chart. But I've been doing this for so long now that instead of like number of hours per project, I just know how many days in a month each project gets. So let me give you an example from my own pie chart. I spend five days a month in a hardcore writing cave. No contact with the outside world, no TV, no internet, except for a single Google search and then eject. I spend every new and full moon engaged in witchy activities, which lucky for me encompasses so many of my loves under one umbrella. So things like crafting and self-care and cooking and decorating and making my home cozy and being present and noticing the seasons. I give myself one day at the new moon, three days at the full moon, and three days every Sabbath. And the Sabbaths happen eight times a year. So some months I get four days for witching and some seven. So with my writing cave, that's 12 days used up so far. I then give myself a week to work on all things podcast related and another week for my newsletter. Um, And that also kind of includes new articles, pitching publications, all of my writing stuff that's off, off the podcast. So that leaves approximately four to five days in an average month for client work. But I usually don't need that many days for client work. So that gives me just extra time to travel and go see friends or relax or have an adventure. So my five pie pieces are my novel, my witching, my podcast, my newsletter, and client work. So what I love about this method is that there is an activation energy around every single thing that we do. So for an art project, that looks like getting out all of the supplies that you're going to need while you're engaged in that project. For a podcast, it's setting up my mobile studio with all of my equipment and my mic and all of that stuff. And it's so much better to do that once for a stretch of time and then not have to worry about it again for an entire month. You can put that stuff out of out of sight, out of mind, if you're into having a clean, serene space. Plus, in those time blocks, I'm doing one thing and one thing only, and that is setting me up for success. Doing that is putting yourself in an environment where focus is just easier rather than a place where you are constantly switching between tasks. Now, if batching isn't your jam, It doesn't have to be. Maybe the school day method that I describe in episode 36 will work better for you. And I have talked about it ad nauseum in past episodes. Um, Like I said, I've used it myself, but I think it's great for multi-passionates, especially if you have a tendency to get bored doing one thing for long stretches of time. So the school day method is just like being back in school. You work for basically an hour on one piece of the pie And then you work for an hour on another piece of the pie, and then you move on to the third. 
and so on. And you can adjust the time blocks. But the point is to touch each of your joy projects in a day. If you want to use this method and be mindful of that activation energy that can potentially stand in the way, because if you're just having an hour to get something done, you don't want to spend 20 minutes of that fight figuring out where all of the tools that you need are in your house. You're going to need to keep your supplies handy if you're going to use the school day method. And Lifestyle Design for Multi-Passionates has some really great options for how to do this without just having a home full of like piles of stuff everywhere. So definitely download that and check it out. And it will give you some really great resources for how to sort of hide things behind like a foldable screen. Some really cool tips in there. No matter what system you ultimately decide on, the most important question to ask yourself on the regular is, Am I inventing things to do just to avoid the important? Because all human beings do this. Am I inventing things to do to avoid the important? And no matter what, do not multitask. Multitasking just means doing a lot of different things badly. It is scientifically proven to cause lapses in concentration, poorer results, and less gratification. And we can't have that because we're in the business of building lives around gratification. All right. P number four, prioritizing your joy projects on your calendar. I have one word for you guys, and it's white space. Quite possibly my favorite hack for getting shit done is to sit down at the beginning of the year and put all of the time I plan to take off, like travel, like vacations on my calendar for the next year. So the dates are allowed to shift around. Like you don't know in January, what time you're, when you're going to take your vacation exactly in August, but you know how many days you want to take a vacation for, right? So you put it on the calendar knowing that things might shift a little bit. So I just want to know when I look at my year at a glance that I have six weeks of camping in Colorado during the months when it is way too hot to live here. I also want to see my shorter camping trips and my visits to my bestie in Central California to go wine tasting. Am I going to a retreat in some far-flung destination? I will put it on the calendar before I've paid the deposit. What this does is cause me to keep that time sacred. So like I said, the dates can be shifted, but nothing can get scheduled over that time. Like it's already on the calendar. Everything else has to get filled in around it. Joy projects are exactly like vacations. They deserve relegated white space. And yet, and yet they are the very things we don't ever feel like we have enough time for. So this is how we change that. Joy projects, boss fam are how we live the dream now, rather than slave, save, retire like everybody else. So isn't it worth filling up your calendar with that time first? I would argue yes. So to be clear, if you have a nine to five, eight hours of your day are taken. If you have a family, maybe four more hours on top of that are taken too. I'm personally not much good after 14 hours of being awake. So that leaves maybe two hours on weeknights to do what you love. If it's on the calendar, you're less likely to accidentally chew up that whole time block scrolling on TikTok. Am I right? If it's the weekend, you'll think twice about getting bottomless mimosas with friends when that same time block has been slotted to write your novel. So one more time. The four P's are plugging the holes where you're hemorrhaging time, picking your projects and your productivity system, 
and then prioritizing the time on your calendar. So boss fam, if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, would you please share it with other multi-passionates? There are so many others out there like us who need to hear these important messages. Also, if you want to learn about time management strategies that work especially well for people like us, do check out episode 36. And Lord knows I've plugged it enough this episode. So if you do not yet have your free copy of Lifestyle Design for Multi-Passionates, what are you waiting for? Go and grab your copy today at jennyoconnor.com forward slash good life. And until next time, remember, productivity is less about what you do with your time and more about how you run your mind. Now get on out there and do the things.